Greetings and welcome to Flanagan's Ecologic. I am your host, Ted Flanagan, and this episode of Ecologic covers Econet News, Volume 25, Issue Number 2, February 2023. Quote of the Month Mad is rebellious. We question the established, look for new solutions, and make gold from gray stone. Mad Architecture on Upcycling Building Materials, Oslo, Norway. Flanagan's Ecologic. Join the EV revolution. NFW was the remark that a great friend made a few months ago over a lively dinner conversation in New York. I had enthusiastically proclaimed to Brian's wife that we'd all have EVs in five years. Same with solar and batteries. Brian may be right. I may well have overstated my claim and my zeal for the greening of mobility in our homes, but we bet nonetheless, me taking a position that I hope I win for the sake of the planet, for all of us. It's time to get an EV. They're fun to drive and are a big step in protecting our environment. Now EV range has increased, choices abound, and the costs are being driven down. The average cost of an EV in America in January was $58,725. But stay tuned. This is dropping in real time and will so precipitously. What's amazing is the pace at which new EVs are entering the marketplace. There are super high-end EVs from Lucid and Fisker and Porsche to budget brands like Kia, Chevrolet, Ford, Nissan, and VW. In between are Mercedes, Cadillac, Volvo, BMW, Audi, and a host of others vying for EV market share. While way out ahead of the pack, Tesla is now feeling the competition having to slash prices in the last quarter of 2022. The field is broad and in some ways bizarre. Bentley is planning to introduce its first EV in 2025, a car that will be able to go from 0 to 60 in 1.5 seconds. Gads! What an example of the instantaneous torque presented by electric powertrains. Tesla Model S Plaid does this in 1.9 seconds. The Bentleys will be built in Crewe, England, and will have twice as much grunt as the Bentley twin-turbocharged 650-horsepower GT Speed. Back to more affordable varieties. As previously reported, the Porsche Group, which owns Volkswagen, has stated its ambition to take over Tesla's distinction as the number one EV maker in the world. VW has branded its ID line as its EV line. Now it's recrafting its compact and popular Golf to be all-electric, and to be launched as the ID2. Some say that Hyundai knocked it out of the park with a futuristic Ionic 5 car. Hyundai is planning to roll out its Ionic 6 this spring. The $45,500 sedan will get up to 361 miles on a single charge. A lower cost version, $42,990, will get 272 miles per gallon. A drawback is that the Ionics and others such as the Kia EV6 are not eligible for the federal tax credit as they are not built in the United States. you got to watch that. Some VW ID4s are made in Germany and do not qualify, while others made in Tennessee do. And stay tuned, in March the IRS is scheduled to announce new rules. EVs with batteries manufactured outside of the United States will likely not be eligible for the tax credit. 
Now Subaru joins the pack with its EV Solterra line. Its $44,995 premium version electric SUV has a 72.8 kWh battery bank. It's the first EV SUV with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. They feature 8.3 inches of ground clearance. Its limited and touring models are more expensive, $48,485 and $51,995 respectively. The EV action is also hot overseas. The Chinese BYD is now the leading EV seller in China, India, and New Zealand, and recently became the leading EV seller in Thailand. BYD's Atto 3 was the leading car sold. It sold for $35,400 US dollars in Thailand. Fully eight of the top 10 EVs sold in Thailand last year were Chinese, including MG and Volvo, which are owned by Chinese companies. Volvo was purchased by the Zhejiang Geely Holding Group from Ford in 2010. Ford is working on its goal of producing 2 million EVs globally each year. It is now partnered with LG Energy Solution and Koch Holdings to develop a battery facility for EVs near Ankara, Turkey. Construction is expected to break ground this year on what will be one of Europe's largest battery plants. The factory is slated for full production by 2026, it will be capable of producing 35 to 45 gigawatt hours of battery energy storage each year. Ford has successfully rolled out three EVs, the Mach-E, Mach-E GT, and E-Transit. Last year, Ford announced that it would be an all-electric car company in Europe by 2035. Note that all EVs are not created equal in terms of efficiency. My Chevy Bolt and Terry's Tesla get about 4 miles per kilowatt hour. But when you see a large pickup, the Rivian or Ford Lightning on the road, think more like 2 miles per kilowatt hour. While more efficient than internal combustion engine, ICE, vehicles, Amory Lovins calls these brute force applications of electric mobility. And the more brutish, the heavier the vehicle, and the less efficiency and range. Stellantis, formed by the merger of Chrysler, Fiat, and Peugeot, will now be electrifying its Jeep and Ram brands. These will be heavy, inherently less efficient EVs. Inversely, keep an eye out for Aptera's EV. It is slated to get 10 miles per kilowatt hour. Its batteries replenish with solar cells in its roof. So Brian and all my friends, take your pick. There are so many choices. The number of non-Tesla EVs increased by 155% in 2022, fully 269% in the fourth quarter compared to the fourth quarter of 2021. Get ready for the next time you need a car. Yes, it's time to test drive an EV, be it a Lexus, Lucid, Rivian, Tesla, Polestar, VW, Ford, or another market entrant. Get ready to make the shift. You in? We are a two EV household. We have clean and efficient solar-powered mobility and love being part of the climate solution. Texas to become the number one utility-scale solar state. There are two forms of photovoltaics that are reported on regularly in Econet News. Rooftop solar, owned by consumers like you and me that reduce power bills, and utility-scale solar systems that provide wholesale power to utilities. California continues to dominate consumer-owned net energy-metered solar, but the Golden State's preeminence is falling in the utility-scale solar world. For years, California has led the nation in terms of utility-scale solar. At the end of 2022, California had a 1,000-megawatt lead, but in May, the baton will be passed to Texas. The Lone Star State has 
recently twice doubled its utility scale solar capacity in 2020 and again in 2021. Canary Media quips that this is making California look uncommitted to this whole renewables thing. The cowboys are just about to take the lead from the hippies. At the end of 2022, Texas had 14,806 megawatts of utility scale solar versus California's 15,967 megawatts. Texas has 7.7 gigawatts lined up for installation in 2023 versus California's 4.2 gigawatts. Incidentally, the whole country is forecasted to add 29.1 gigawatts in 2023 compared to 13.4 gigawatts in 2021. Solar Storage Peaker Plant The Viking Energy Farm, being built by Aravon Solar, will serve San Diego Community Power, San Diego's community choice aggregator. The facility is being built in Holtville, in California's Imperial Valley near the Mexican border. The farm will consist of 137 megawatts of first solar thin film modules and 150 megawatt 600 megawatt hour of Tesla megapacks. In addition to being a carbon-free, renewable installation, another benefit is that the batteries can be deployed in less than a second. They are highly responsive to utility demand compared to traditional peaker plants that might take tens of minutes, if not hours, to fire up and provide critical capacity. Seaweed and GMO tree sequestration. Amazon is putting $1.6 million into the first commercial-scale seaweed operation that will be, be placed between offshore wind turbines. The idea is to slow the effects of climate change by sequestering carbon, specifically to explore the potential of seaweed farms interspersed between wind turbines to remove carbon from the atmosphere. Seaweed can suck up CO2 at an amazing pace. Amazon's investment is part of its $100 million global Right Now Climate Fund. The project named North Sea Farm 1, is expected to begin production this year and will be located off the coast of the Netherlands. It will test different means to grow seaweed to sequester carbon in an area used for no other purposes. The nonprofit organization North Sea Farmers will build a 25-acre seaweed farm that is expected to produce around 13,000 pounds of seaweed in its first year. The seaweed can then be harvested for use or sink to the sea floor or be stored underground just where the carbon came from. Seaweed can also be used for food, packaging, and clothing. A recent New York Times article features another sequestration strategy, this time using GMO trees to accelerate their growth and their potential for carbon capture. Living Carbon, a San Francisco-based company, has modified the genetic makeup of poplars in the southern Georgia pine belt to grow 50% faster. The trees are genetically engineered to grow at turbocharged rates, slurping up CO2. They could also potentially cut timber rotations from 50 to 60 years to 25 to 30 years. The introduction of the Flavor Saver tomato in 1994 and its FDA approval launched the practice and industry of genetically modified organism, GMO, products. Through GMO, the DNA of a plant is manipulated. Living Carbon is using the gene gun method, which blasts foreign genes into the tree's chromosomes. Similar research has focused on developing blight-resistant chestnuts. Living Carbon's trees start their journey in Hayward, California, 
Later this spring, the company will plant its trees on abandoned coal mines in Pennsylvania. Note that the modified trees are all female, so they won't produce pollen, limiting their potential risks to the greater ecosystem. Upcycling buildings in Norway. When we think of buildings and making them more sustainable, the focus is on their construction and operation. But what about the back end? What about major remodels? What about demolition? Buildings consume about one third of all energy used. Construction and de deconstruction debris also accounts for about a third of all solid waste. Now a project in Oslo, Norway is demonstrating how to cut embedded carbon in building materials by upcycling materials, refashioning materials for new applications. In this case, an office building. Materials from donor buildings are repurposed both for retrofits and new construction. Named after its location, the project is called Christian August Gate 13, KA13. For KA13, source materials such as structural steel, wood, cladding, bricks, tiles, cladding, panels, windows, concrete floor plates were recovered from 25 demolition sites. Fully 80% of the building materials used were repurposed. Without question, this demo is a harbinger of things to come, but to make the case, its designers and owners had to pay a premium, changing the materials to make them work in a new application. Mad Architecture, an Oslo-based design firm, is passionate about upcycling and using demolition waste in its signature works. It remodeled its own offices in 2020-21, and then was approached by a real estate developer that sought to remodel a 1958 office building and its 9,200 square foot expansion. All told, the eight-story project involved 43,000 square feet of space. Upcycling is very different from recycling, which involves breaking down and transforming raw materials to their original state. Reclaiming materials involves minimal processing or alterations, but with upcycling, as MAD architecture has shown, there is certainly additional labor and customization involved. So we have a new way of looking at buildings and recycling buildings. Our design community is beginning to think about how buildings are assembled so that they are ready for disassembly. Using these materials requires flexibility. Sometimes the design had to be adapted to accommodate the reused materials. Then there are building codes and regulations, and it's hard to coordinate construction with demolition schedules. MAD Architecture has also had to work with labs to test repurposed steel and concrete for structural soundness. But MAD is onto something. Stay tuned. REI puts a stop to PFAS chemicals. Recreational Equipment Inc., REI, the outdoor equipment supplier, has recently announced that it will ban the use of PFAS chemicals in its own privately labeled products and all clothing and cookware products produced by others and sold at its stores by the fall of 2024. That includes pots, pans, apparels, shoes, packs, bags, and gear. PFAS in heavy-duty apparel, such as raincoats, will be phased out by 2026. What's PFAS? What are these so-called forever chemicals? PFAS, technically per and polyfluoroalkyl substances, are a class of over 9,000 man-made chemicals known for their non-stick and water-repellent properties. They are found in the air, water, fish, and soil. They do not break down naturally, and they have been found in the bloodstream of 97% of Americans. While the full impacts of PFAS compounds is not clear, they are potentially responsible for developmental issues with children, 
Their presence may result in less chance of women getting pregnant. They may increase a woman's blood pressure during pregnancy, cause lower infant birth weights, interfere with the body's natural hormones, increase cholesterol, and potentially cause cancer. REI has a strong yet reputation as a highly responsible, environmentally sound company. While firms such as 3M ban the use of PFAS chemicals, critics claim that REI has been slow to do so. It has already phased out long-chain PFAS chemicals, PFOA and PFOS, but short-chain PFAS are reportedly harder to replace. Nevertheless, New York State recently enacted a law to ban PFAS in most apparel by the end of the year. California has a similar law that will go into effect in 2025. Consumer awareness and these state actions may well result in national standards limiting or eliminating these pesky substances. That's it. Thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic. We'll see you next time.